Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Exodus chapter 2 this morning. I just want to say, man, it feels good to be home. It feels good to come back. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a big flyer. Um, I, don't, I don't like to fly that much. It's like if, as soon as I like smell airport food, I get headaches. I don't, I don't know what's up with me, but it feels good to be on the ground and see the people that we love, being able to minister the gospel. I wish I could teleport places, but it doesn't work that way. Exodus chapter 2 this morning. Um, We're going to be in verse 23. Once you're there, um, if you want to bookmark that, we're also going to be reading Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Our first scripture is Exodus 2, 23. And our second one is Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. A newborn baby cries frequently when he or she has a need. How many of you guys can testify to that? And the mother comes immediately. Day or night to fill those needs. Thus the children learn to cry when they want mother's presence. If you're a mom here, a father experiences this also, they, you begin to realize that a baby learns that if I cry, mom comes. But there's something that happens as the baby grows. The mother comes but does not pick up the child. Many times she comes and she says, hush. Go back to sleep in a nice or evil way if you're fed up by it. (laughs) Later, she might not even come every time the baby cries. She might just let the baby cry and let the baby understand that it's not the way you might, it's not the way you want to grab your mom's attention going forward. Of course, the baby does not like this, but the feelings of abandonment lessens and lessens as he or she learns that mother will always come in the morning. I know my son, and um, with Titus, obviously we're in a different um, place. We didn't have him as a baby, but one of the things that he learned, um, he used to always sing this song. He used to always say, grown-ups will come back. He learned that from Daniel Tiger. <laughs> and somewhere he, he, he learned that, you know what, that my parents are always going to come back. In this process of learning, of teaching a baby how to cry, All babies learn that they cannot manipulate a mother, especially one who distinguishes between her baby's needs and baby's wants. The reason why I'm using this is because this is very true when it comes down to our prayer life. When we are young believers, new converts, it is as if we cry and God answers our prayers quickly. It is as if we get off of the altar that day. And we begin to say, God, do this, and he does it. God, help me, and he helps you. But as you go along in your Christian walk, if you've been saved long enough, you understand what I'm about to say is that as we mature, God begins to use this thing called delayed answers as a means of teaching us to rely on him, not on his blessings, not on his involvements. Because how many of you guys know that he knows our real needs? He knows that somewhere we have wants and we have needs. He knows the future. He knows our destiny. He knows what to do with this. 
And what he does many times is that he delays our answers. I'm going to make this statement that I'm going to say quite a bit throughout the sermon. And that is a delayed answer is not a denial. That a delayed answer is not a denial. Just because God didn't answer you at that moment doesn't mean he denied you. And many times what happens is we'll pray. We won't get an answer at that moment. So we'll say, I guess that's a no. We'll stop praying. We'll stop contending. But see, Paul tells us different later in the Bible. It says, pray without ceasing. And somewhere we're going to have to learn that. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read a story about God doing this very thing to his people. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. You can say amen when you're there. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard the groanings. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Perfect Delay this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. God, for allowing us to be here together as your church, as your congregation, Father. God, I pray that you will anoint, God, every word that comes out of my mouth. God, anoint your servant's words, God. God, I hide behind your cross, Father. I'm just a vessel, Lord. God, I pray that you will convict the hearts of many here, God. Father, I also pray this morning. God, if there's anybody here that has given up, God, on past petitions, that has given up, God, on certain situations, Father, that you renew their strength, give them a new fire, God, to continue to seek you for those answers, God, to continue to seek your involvement in their life, God. I trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is that God hears our cry. In our scripture, what we're seeing is the very famous story of the Israelites as slaves. The Israelites, when they're under the rule of the Egyptians and somewhere uh, you see and especially in our chapter in chapter 2 that somewhere they're fed up with the way they're living many commentators say that they they came into slavery and they lived just normal just thought this is what's going to happen but eventually they got fed up and what they did is they began to cry out to God many of you guys know in life we can get to that place we go through these moments and seasons in life where, you know, you think it's just another chapter. It's just a, a time that I have to go through. I'm just going to, you know, just use brute force. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to push through it. You begin to justify yourself with scriptures. I put my shoulder to the plow. I'm not going to look back. But we always get to a place when we say, God, I'm fed up. But see, as Christians, we know that we can get our God involved through prayer. In our scripture, we see a people crying out. This is more than just tears. This is more than them just complaining. How many of you guys know complaining isn't praying? Shout amen. That somewhere these people, what they did is they understood we have a God in heaven that we can cry out to. It's not just crying, but crying out to God. Prayer is the basic principle. It's a pillar that we live by. As Christians, again, we pray without ceasing. We pray in affliction. We pray when we need to repent. 
We pray for favor in our workplace, favor with our family, favor with our spouse. Amen? We cast out demons through prayer. We intercede for people through prayer. This is something that we do as Christians. We know that our words, we know that our communication can do something if we direct it towards the Father. It was Charles Spurgeon who said all the Christian virtues are locked up in the word prayer. Salvation was through prayer. The salvation of others is through prayer. World evangelism starts with a prayer. You know, churches start with prayers and all these different things that you can constantly, sermons start with prayer. And you can go on and on. It's all locked into this very element that we can cry out to God. And we know that as Christians, or at least you should know. We believe that through a relationship with God, we can get him involved in our physical lives. This is the picture of prayer. That somewhere our physical words can um, reach a spiritual God for him to involve his supernatural powers into our physical life. It's prayer. It's an amazing thing. It's complex when you think about it. It's a spiritual God getting involved in the physical needs of a human being. We believe that our words can reach God and cause him to get involved. We believe that our words can move God. You can go on and on. We can consider Abraham interceding for Lot the moment that God decides he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But Uncle Abraham begins to pray to God and begins to almost barter with them, begins to go back and forth. If you can find ten people, if you can find five, if you can find one person. And this is a picture of a man taking his words up to God, saying, God, can you get involved for my nephew? We believe that our words many times can alter things. I think it was um, um, Pastor Mark Olson that said, I truly believe that we have Trump as a president because of Christians who pray. And that somewhere, I mean, think about that, that history, that, that life, that the way things are turning out can be changed simply by you speaking to God. That even as you're, as you're sitting in your chair this morning and you're going through things, that you can speak words to God. You can pray. You can get on your knees. You have this relationship where you can go back and forth with God and things can change. We believe in affliction. That we don't have to settle for li a life of shortcomings. Can I tell you this morning, you don't have to be a failure. You don't have to continually live a life of shortcomings. Things can go good for you. The Bible says that God came to give us life and, and life abundantly. That somewhere God has good things for you. It's not always bad. It's not always this, this place of suffering. It's not always this thing. How many of you guys know we're, we're, we're not Catholics this morning? You're glad you're not a Catholic this morning, right? We, we don't believe that you have to suffer to gain God's favor. We don't have to get on our knees this morning and beat our chest talking about it's our faults. You have to consider. I mean, consider this. Consider how Jesus didn't just settle for the results the disciples achieved in casting out a demon. You guys remember the story when the disciples prayed for them. Um, for the, uh, I believe it was the, the boy who was demon-possessed. He pray, they pray for them and nothing happens. Jesus didn't just come in the midst and said, well, I guess that's it. He didn't just come in there and said, well, I mean, I, I guess it's something beyond. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not demons. Maybe, I don't know, maybe smoke something. <laughs> no, he went in there and said, you know what, we're going to pray again. And then it happens. And he says, this one comes out with prayer and fasting. That somewhere Jesus didn't take no for an answer. 
That's somewhere he didn't just settle and said, well, this is just the way things are going to be. No, he changed it. And this is exactly what the Israelites are going through. This is exactly what they've come to a conclusion. I'm tired of the way I'm living. We're going to cry out to our God. That I'm not just going to be a slave and go on with the flow of things. This was the danger. This is exactly what happened with the Israelites. Is that as they became, uh, as they were submitted into the uh, rule of Egyptians, it's almost like their gods became the Israelites' God. They fell into idolatry, but eventually they said, I remember the covenant that Abraham, that Jacob, that Israel had. And this we're going to cry out to the God that we have, to the God that we know. You know, everybody at some point in their life will need to acquire God's involvement. Maybe you guys know everybody in life will eventually need a miracle. This goes beyond religion or culture. We're not just speaking about just having an encounter, just an emotional um, high out of a service. I'm talking about life. That you'll come to a place where you say, you know what, God, I just, I need you to supernaturally get involved. It's been years the Israelites were slaves. This is just the way. There's been generations that were born under them. Children who all they know is that I am a slave. And somewhere they said, God, we need a miracle. So I'm speaking about those times in life where you encounter a pressing need. Those times in life where you just said, there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that my pastor can do. There's nothing that my church can do. God, I need you to come down from heaven. We see in our Bibles that the Israelites went from common citizens to slaves in a matter of a decision. You guys know sometimes in life it feels like someone just flipped the switch. It's like you stepped into, how many, how many of you guys have ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> they got this little thing where you, where you step in and then um, somebody flips the switch and then it, it creates a hurricane of tickets. And it's a fun thing, you know, kids try to get it. But many times in life, it feels like you just stepped into something and somebody just, and then your whole life is flipping. You're, you know, everything is, you're like, whoa, man, what happened? I was going to church. I was loving God. I was loving people. Everything was good. I was, I wasn't broke. I was making money. I was in a good weight. <laughs> and all these different things. And somewhere, man, somebody just, check this out. Exodus chapter one, verse eight. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. You can say amen when you're there. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. You guys remember Joseph? Okay, so that's the issue. There's a new king who didn't know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape. Thank you. Escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh's store cities, um, Python and Ramsey. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the, mo and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in the dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. It was somebody's intimidation that caused all the pain and all the suffering in the Israelites. Let me think about that. Up until that point, they were living and they were blessed because Joseph was in the mix. 
Joseph dies, and then there's a decision that's made, and their life just completely changed. It's out of their control. It's an external influence. Can I tell you this morning, and hopefully this encourages you, but not everything you go through is your fault. Not everything you go through has to do with um, your mistakes or your decisions. And I know I've preached sermons that a lot of what you do is your decisions. And I think we understand that this morning, right? We're mature enough to say, Pastor, I know that's true. But there's times where you're living and you're, you're godly. You're doing things. But there's an external influence that just flips a switch. Pharaoh is intimidated by the Israelites and says, you know what? We're going to work them. We're going we're gonna to put pain on them. We're going to make them suffer. And a lot of times, this is what happens to our life. Is that we're living, we're walking with God. And somewhere, something is intimidated by our righteousness. We can speak about the government. How many times are the liberals, they're, 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 they're intimidated by righteous values and people who rise up and stand, you know, for, for godly morals and all these different things. So what they do is they press on those things and make it harder for them to live that way. This situation causes the Israelites, the Israelites to cry out to God. We read it, Exodus 2, 23 and 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard the groanings, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Say with me, God knew. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him, God knows. He knows your cries. He knows those times where you feel like you're under slavery. He knows those times where there's other influences that are upon you, the burdens, all these different things. You're walking and you feel heavy. You know, it's just you can't get it off of you. God hears your cries. This is what we do as Christians. We cry out in times of need. One of the things I constantly hear people say, I heard somebody say the other day, he says, I hate when people just cry out to God for help, just in their time of need. And I understand the, the whole idea that they're saying, that somewhere they don't want Christians to only talk to God when they're in need. And that's the truth, right? That's the truth. But I want to tell you here this morning that when you are in need, you go to God. That's somewhere, well, regardless of what kind of life you lived before, okay, that's fine. Let's say you've been a hypocrite for all your life. But at this moment, if you need some help, that's where you go. You go to God. Crying out to God is a broken person taking their source of brokenness to God for his involvement. The Israelites, they're broken because they've been slaves for many years, overworked, all kinds of different things. And somewhere they're crying out is more than just tears. They've already cried those. It's more than just bad feelings. They've already, they've been having those. They're crying out as they came to a place as God, we need you to get involved. The word for here in our scripture, when God listens in our scriptures is a Hebrew word that's shama. Is to hear intelligently, often with implications of attention, obedience, or something that causes it to tell. In other words, it's more than just, I heard a sound, but it's more of a, I know what you're going through. So essentially, God, when he says, I heard their cries, what he's saying is, I know what they've been going through. I feel the pain that they're feeling. I see all the uh, betrayals, all of the violations. You speak about human rights being violated. Read this scripture. 
I want to give you some encouragement this morning. God has an ear to hear. Exodus 3, 9 says, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. In other words, I'm not just listening to them speak. I know what they're going through. Our Bible teaches us that God is listening to us. That as you pray, it's not just words in vain. It's not just a ritual. We're not, we're not creating spells this morning. We're not just trying to do this Harry Potter thing. We don't have little sticks that we're trying to wave. It's God. When we believe as Christians that when we speak, God stores up our prayers. That God is up there listening to every word we speak and he is active, that he's doing something about it. That somewhere he wants to be this father that's answering or this mother that's answering his baby's, their baby's cry. They want to get involved. But how many of you guys know that God knows more than what we do? You're crying because of your situation. The Israelites are crying because of their situations as slaves. God says, I hear you, but I have to get Moses prepared. I hear you, but there's something more that I have to do in you. You have to go through the desert to make to the promise. I got to get you ready for that desert. Which takes me to my second point. And that is that God's delay does not mean God's denial. After the battle of Bull Run, Imboden is his name, asked Stonewall Jackson who had received a painful wound in the battle. General, how is it that you can keep so cool? And appears so utterly insensible to danger. This is in the midst of war. In such a storm of shell, shells and bullets as rained about you when your hand was hit. This man was hit with a bullet in his hand, but he's chilling in the middle of war. Captain, answered Jackson in a grave and um, reverential manner. My religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as in bed. God has fixed the time for my death, and I do not concern myself about that, but to be always ready no matter when it may overtake me. Then after a pause, he added this. He said, that is the way all men shall live, and then all the world will be brave. In other words, he's, he knows something. This is a revelation that I want you guys to understand. In the midst of war, this man gets hit with a, with a bullet in his hand, and he's bleeding in somewhere, and they're asking him, how can you just be so, so chill? He goes, because I understand that God has fixed the time think about that i understand that god in heaven knows when i'm already gonna die he knows what's gonna need to happen to me he knows what he needs to do in my life i'm not tripping right now because god knows if something happens to me and i need to get further he's gonna get me further and he also knows if i need to stop here he's gonna make me stop i want to tell you this morning god has fixed the time he knows what he is going to do, how he is going to do it, and when he is going to do it. We must trust that his delay is in our benefit. Sober Christian this morning, you're going to have to find comfort in God's delay. You're going to have to find comfort in the fact that God knows exactly what he is doing. Because, you know, the reality is that many times in our prayers, time doesn't seem to be on our side. Many times we need a miracle, and you know you need it now. And we're Pentecostals. We believe that we can get God involved. We believe that somewhere we can move the heart of God, and we can get an instantaneous miracle. We believe that healings can happen. We'll be naive to say that it happens every time. 
you know, we were just um, um, in the religious world, in the church world, there was a story about, um, um, I believe it was this, this, um, this couple in Bethel. Um, anyway, as a child that passes away, and they, they're praying for this child for many, many days, and they're trying to resurrect to get everybody involved that's, that's named a Christian, and somewhere nothing happens. And somewhere, like, you begin to think, you know what, we believe in a God that resurrects. We believe in the all-powerful God, but sometimes it just seems like it doesn't happen. You guys ever been there? Brokenness causes discomfort. And discomfort causes desperation. You guys ever prayed in desperation? God, please. Please, please, pretty please. God, if you don't do anything, I'm backsliding. <laughs> I'll leave the church, God. Do something, move. Many times we rush his involvements, despise his involvement because we have this consumer mindset. I want to warn you this morning, you don't pray like you're a customer. You can say, man. I know, I know, I know you I know you don't like it when you don't get ketchup in McDonald's. I know that. I know when you when they don't give you napkins, you begin to throw a fit, right? But you don't pray that way with God. You don't just say, God, I don't like what you've done. You don't begin to rush his involvement. We're not a customer. You know, chapters in our Bible between situations and stories many times represents many years. We read our Bible and we go from chapter 1 to chapter 2. We see that chapter 2, Israel, the Israelites are slaves. Chapter 3, there's a burning bush experience. Moses gets prepared. And then chapter 4, the Israelites are already fighting with Pharaoh. But I want to tell you those chapters in the Bible represents many years. You know, most commentators say that Israel was enslaved for 400 years. That somewhere from the day that, he, that they became slaves, the day that they prayed, you know, God help us, that there was 400 years represented in those chapters. It's a long time to wait. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's things that we've prayed to God many years ago, months, weeks, many maybe days ago, and you've given up. You say, you know what, God, I'm done praying for that. Well, many times it's just neglect. You prayed for it a few times, nothing happened, so it's in the back of your head. I tell you this morning that God lives outside of time. And this is to our benefit. When we live in his will, we step into the tomorrows that he has already planned for us. But see, when we're, when we're in our will, we begin to think one things now. Right? The microwave generation. Right, you can have ramen in three minutes. <laughs> right? You can cook eggs in the microwave, which I think is disgusting. But I mean, it's so quick. So fast. That's not the way God works. We as mere humans have the privilege to live in a realm called time. God created the sun. He created the moon, light, darkness. He created days for us, day and night. And that dictates how long we live, which all factors into just our overall life. But I want to tell you this morning that God knows what he needs to do. And that you have to find comfort in the fact that that the delay you're experiencing is a perfect delay. It's God's perfect timing. You know, I was speaking to somebody, I forget who it was, it was over the phone, and we were just talking about how many times you arrive at destinations in your life, and you can look back, and you begin to see, wow, how perfect all lined up, if you're saved, right? If you're not saved, then you're, there's nothing perfect about your life. 
But you begin to trust God and you begin to see, wow, God made all that work. It worked out this way. I stepped into this door. Uh, this door was rejected. It hurt me. But overall, I begin to see, wow, if I would have stepped into that door, it would have taken me somewhere else. God lives in our future. And he's present in our presence. As humans, we tend to make decisions based on two things, our emotions and our situations. We get desperate. Our emotions are, are, are many times are just, you know, they're just not as simple to keep in check. Have you guys ever made decisions and you begin to realize, man, that was an emotional one. I shouldn't have done that. I should have just waited. Our situations many times is out of our control. They have, the Israelites had no control over their slavery. It was an external influence. God allowed it. I want to tell you this morning, be careful how you react to God's answer in a desperate prayer. One of the things I've learned throughout my ministry is that God builds the man also. And you know, as you're trying to build something for God, as you're trying to work on your family, as you're trying to do something for God, many times God is helping you with that, but he's also building you. And there's certain things he has to work out in you. You know, one of the things that I can testify is even when we're in Galveston, you know, laboring for many months, not having any visitors. And many times you begin to think, what am I doing wrong? Why, why are things not fruitful? And I've learned that somewhere God is working in us. God's shaping and molding us. That we're not ready to arrive at that answer. We're not ready to arrive at that destiny. We must understand that when we pray, we're speaking to a sovereign God. The one that runs everything. Is Andrew Murray who said, beware in your prayer above everything of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. That somewhere we begin to push God. like, And there's nothing wrong with telling God. There's nothing wrong. It was Pastor Mark Olson in the conference. I was speaking that the whole Jewish religion was built on arguing with God. That somewhere we have that. You have the story of Jacob that has God. That pretty much He's wrestling with God. You guys remember that story, right? We have those times where we're talking to God. Book of Isaiah says, come and reason with me, says the prophet. That God is telling Israelites. We have those things. I understand that. But somewhere there is a reverent spirit. There is a fear of God. That you know what, God, I'm asking you this. But I know that you can zap me any moment. I know that you can, you can make me into ashes just when you want to. I think it's crazy when people begin to command God many times. I feel so humble many times to pray. You know, you're praying for people. God, move. Loosen. You know, you try to say it as loud as you can, right? <laughs> you begin to lay hands. God, I command. You know, and all these things. You know, many times when I pray, I say, I command the spirit to come out in the authority of Jesus Christ. Because I'm nobody. Our knowledge is superficial compared to God's knowledge. See, God's answer, regardless of what it is, is our benefit. You guys trust that? It's, 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 isn't it weird to say that God's knows are our benefits? <laughs> Pastor Mitchell said, you never know what's in a man until you tell him no. See, regardless if it is del a delayed answer or a no, we must trust that it is for our benefit. You ever got an answer that you don't like? You ever got an answer from God that you don't like? No, it didn't happen. A job opportunity that you knew you were going to have, but then it just didn't work. You got a no, a big fat one. <laughs> Capital N-N-O. You ever gotten an answer after you said a bunch of stupid things? 
Let me explain. <laughs> Been praying for a long time, and then you give up, and then God answers. <laughs> you give up, and you say, man, what? And you start just complaining. Ah, this doesn't work. This prayer at church. Ah, and you start get to a place where you're cussing, all these different things, and then God answers it, and then you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I said all that. God's delay is not God's denial. Just because you haven't gotten an answer today doesn't mean that God said no. I want you to do this. Tell to your, turn to your neighbor and tell him, chill, God knows what's up. <laughs> he knows what's going on. He knows exactly what you're going through. I want to move on to my third thought, and I'm closing with this, and that is trusting in the sovereignty and God's love for us. Years ago, a military officer and his wife were abroad a ship that was caught in the raging ocean storm. Seeing the frantic look in her eyes, the man tried unsuccessfully to allay her fears. And suddenly she grasped his sleeve and cried, how can you be so calm? He stepped back a few feet and drew his sword. <laughs> drew his sword, pointing at her heart. And he said, are you afraid of this? And without hesitation, she answered, of course not. So he asked, why not? And she said, because it's in your hand. And you love me too much to hurt me. So his reply says, I know the one who holds the winds and the waters in the hollow of his hand. And he will surely care for us. The officer was not disrupted because he had put his trust in the Lord. Our life, our situations, what we go through every single day is in the hands of God. I preach a whole sermon series, sermon series that I entitled When God Allows. That there's times where it does feel like God's holding, holding a sword to our hearts. Sometimes it does feel like God's picking on you. You ever been there? When you're just like, what, what the heck is going on? I mean, you, you can speak about Job and how you might have felt at times. Faithful servant. There is no other, you know, just a great man. The Bible calls him perfect. I mean, think about that. And somewhere he's going through all that. How do you think he feels? You know, the essence of our prayer should be releasing our situation. Not so much that, you know, you hold on to it. You know, one of the things that I, that I love that Pastor Cluck said is that many people, they're high on being low. People just hold on to their depression. They hold on to their, 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 their victimhood. They hold on to all their addictions. Oh, this is just who I am. The essence of prayer is that, God, I'm releasing this to you. Or my situation, my, the Israelites, my slavery, God, help us. This is yours. You release it into the hands of God and begin to trust his sovereignty. You begin to trust his love. You begin to rely on him. We must learn, Christian, how to truly and fully let go of all of our petitions to God and trust his timing. You know, the sovereignty of God trumps everything. Oswald Chambers says it is not our trust that keeps us, but the God in whom we trust who keeps us. Now, somewhere it's not so much of our religion, it's not our, our ability our, or anything, our intelligence. Our trust is simply in the fact that we have a God in heaven who loves us, who is sovereign, who can make things happen. We have the saying, whatever goes up comes down, right? Not in God's world. God can make things happen. God, we serve a supernatural God. 
That when the doctors say something, God has the last word. We say that all the time, right? That somewhere this is what we release. We say, God, do you know my situation? There's nothing that I can do, but you can do something about it. You can answer this. You can do whatever. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to pray every single day until I pray through this situation. Until I see you do something. Until I get a clear understanding of what you're doing. Until I see that somewhere you are doing something for my life. God holds all of our world in his hands. And somewhere we got to trust him. Now I truly believe there's a lot of Christians, Christians who have trust issues with God. They begin to get their hands involved. They begin to somewhere, you know, say, God, I trust you with this, but I don't trust you in this area. You know, it's so easy to release our, our spouses, but not our finances. It's so easy to say, you know what, well, God, move in this situation, but many times it's harder in other areas. I want to tell you this morning that God's heart is for us. God loves us. Have you guys know that? That regardless of the situation that you're going through, God is working things out for your life. He's working behind the scenes. He's preparing things. He's, he's doing things that you don't even know. Who are we to speak? Right? The whole book of Job, Job does a pretty good job until the very end. And he begins to start complaining to God. He begins to question God, where were you? And God's response was, were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when I numbered the stars? And somewhere what he's saying is, I'm sovereign. I know exactly what I'm doing. I heard your cries. He heard Israel. He heard them. I mean, think about this. As the Israelites are crying out to God in Egypt, God is dealing with a Moses that ran away from Egypt. Moses over there talking to a burning bush, a supernatural experience is about to change the lives of the Israelites. And they're over here, and it's good that they're crying out, but I wonder if there's anybody complaining. No, God, you ain't coming through. It's been 400 years. And we haven't seen anything. See, God's working. God's over there getting Moses ready. Moses is about to come and stutter all over himself in front of Pharaoh, right? <laughs> He's over here. He's about to get ready and, and speak into Pharaoh. And then, I mean, think about that. As they're crying out, God's preparing Moses so that he can come. And then later on, there's going to be seas that are going to be parted. Generations going through the desert that are going to arrive to the promised land. Joshua is going to be born. All these different things, generations. Israel is going to get a land. Jerusalem is going to be built. They're going to do great things and their Jesus comes. But at that moment in their life, at that moment, they're slaves. And God's perfect delay is preparing something. It hurts. I understand it hurts. I understand that many times we don't know what God is doing. But our comfort is that God has Moses around us that God is doing this has a burning bush experience waiting for us that God's going to open a door that's going to flip our life that God has another chapter in our life that God has a chapter four a chapter three in our life that is not always going to be this this depression it's not always going to be this oppression or that somewhere God has a deliverance for us Exodus chapter three verse eight says and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians that's God speaking already this is God speaking to Moses and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land. And a land flown with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, 
Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with, the, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. How many of you guys know God heard them? This is what he wants to do. This is God's intention for them. They just don't know it yet. It's just God hasn't spoke that yet. God hasn't, God hasn't gotten involved at that very specific moment, but that's his intention. We read it. They, they, they walk into it. Even if, there's, even if there is another external influence. Some of you guys know that Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. So God said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And he sends famines after famine after famine until, they, until it happens. God wants to deliver you. God wants to prosper you. And we see in our scripture that God fixed his attention to his people when he began to cry out. And that is what you want to step into. Not necessarily an immediate answer. Because God, your perfect delay is perfect for me. But God, I just want your attention. God, I just want you to look on me. Breathe on me. Fix your eyes on me. Fix your gaze upon me. That's all I'm wanting. God, that you will see what I'm going through. Because I know that when you see my cry, when you hear my cry, you're going to begin to work in my life. Can I get every head about and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.